I was never told by, you know, other outside of my family and, you know, a few people in my life that I could be beautiful. And so neutrality wasn't enough to counteract that messaging for me. This is Eat the Rules, a podcast about body image, self-worth, anti-dieting, and intersectional feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanen, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This episode of Eat the Rules is brought to you by You on Fire. You on Fire is the online group coaching program that I run that gives you a step-by-step way of building up your self-worth beyond your appearance. With personalized coaching from me, incredible community support, and lifetime access to the program so that you can get free from body shame and live life on your own terms. Get details on what's included and sign up for the next cycle at summerinanin.com forward slash you on fire. I'd love to have you in that group. This is episode 289 and I'm joined by Tiffany Ema, who is also a body image coach and you may know her from her Instagram page at Tiffany Ema. She is here sharing her story of how she developed exercise bulimia as well as bulimia and what helped her to overcome these conditions. We also talk about why body neutrality isn't enough for her and how she's learned to celebrate and embrace her body. We talk about the importance of using self-expression to heal and so much more. You can find the links mentioned at summerinandin.com forward slash 289. I want to give a shout out to PamiD44 who left this review. This podcast is fantastic. Summer is so enlightening and refreshing and listening has helped me really understand the pervasive diet culture and how to truly appreciate and love my body and make peace with my relationship with food and eating. Thank you so much. I'm so glad this show has been helpful for you. If it's been helpful for you, listener, you can leave a review by going to Apple Podcasts, search for Eat the Rules, click ratings and reviews, and click to leave a review. You can also subscribe to the show via whatever platform you use that helps people to find the information you're learning here. It's a free way for you to support the show and keep it on the air. You can grab the free 10 day body confidence makeover at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. And if you are a provider or a professional who works with people who also have body image struggles, get the free body image coaching roadmap at summerinandin.com forward slash roadmap. I have been following Tiffany for years. I am uh, absolutely honored to have her on the show sharing her story and uh, talking about her approach to body acceptance and going beyond body neutrality. Let's get started with the show. Hi, Tiffany. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to finally have you on here. Oh my gosh, Summer. I'm so excited. We've been talking about doing this for like over a year, I think. I I feel like it's been at least a couple of of years for sure. So I'm thrilled that we were able to make it happen. I would love for you to just, you know, tell everyone a little bit about 
what your journey has been like to get to where you are. So maybe we just start out by you talking a little bit about like, what was your relationship like with your body when you were growing up? Yeah. Um, so when I was growing up, my relationship with my body was, it. W- I didn't think about it. I didn't have the type of mom who made us feel self-conscious in our body. My mom was plus size. And if anything, she would tell us to eat to gain weight. (laughs) So when I was young, I was an athlete. I was super creative. I was in sports. I was in comic improv camp. I was in art class. I, I did everything. And my mom really pushed the the side of us that was more about our creativity and more about us doing things that were was fun for us. So I didn't start thinking about my body until I got to junior high when I um, switched into a Catholic predominantly white school and people started bullying me for my body, for my, for being dark skin. And that's when my body issues kind of started. I was still in this place where, you know, at home I wasn't made to feel any type of way. So it hadn't developed in, into anything until I would say right around the end of high school and leading into college. And that is when my body image really started to take a turn for the worse. So when I was in college, I again, I went to a predominantly white college um, at Ohio State. And I literally remember the moment where I felt like I had to change my body. It was no longer a, um, like a... I thought it was more like a have to. So I was in my dorm with my dorm mates and I was showing one of them pictures of me from high school. And I think I was talking about like how being in college made me break out. And she flipped the conversation to my body and started telling me how much weight I gained since I got to college. And just, you know, it made me feel like, oh, this is this is like wrong in my mind, I never thought of it as something that was bad. I just thought of it as something that just happened. And I didn't notice it as much until it was pointed out to me. And from that moment, I had this idea in my mind that I had to be skinny in order to fit in, in order to feel good about myself. Even though I never had a problem with feeling, you know, okay in my body before, I just, it was like, now I have to be skinny in order to fit in. And so from there, I moved into exercise bulimia where I would um, go to the gym and my purge would be exercising for hours. I would I would literally be in the gym as much as I could outside of class and outside of doing schoolwork. There were even times where I skipped class to go to the gym because I felt like I ate too much the day before. So um, during this time, I was just it was like I was becoming more and more disconnected with myself, with my body and moving into this place where everything I did was about getting approval and about people looking at me and saying, oh, she's, you know, the fit black girl and she's skinny. And it was like me trying to fight against all the stereotypes that was that were associated with dark skinned black woman. And I felt like I needed to be pressing towards this really arbitrary mark where I wanted to lose as much weight as possible. And it was there. There was no real destination I guess, you know, I want it to be below a size two. That was my destination. And it and, and it's just like thinking about it now, I'm just like, that's so arbitrary. And like, like nothing about me or my mind changes going from a size two to a size six to a size eight. It doesn't, it doesn't change who I am as a person, but I felt like it did. I felt like my identity was wrapped in what my body looked like and what other people thought of my body. And it was just a fight 
pretty much throughout my entire college career. And, you know, the exercise bulimia eventually developed into full bulimia where I would binge and purge. And, you know, the the binge is just the way that I describe it is, is this feeling of you're just it's just out of control. You there's overeating, which is conscious like on Thanksgiving, where, where you like, oh, I'm getting this second plate because we don't get Thanksgiving food that often. And then the binge is like something that just takes over your whole body. And, you know, I when I would come down from that, it's almost like a stupor you go into. When I would come down from it, I would feel so much shame and I would be like, okay, now I have to make up for this. This was bad. This was bad. I have to make up for this. And so I would purge or I would go to the gym and exercise. And it that lasted pretty much through college and then about five years after college where um, I was just struggling with this eating disorder. And, you know, I was really embarrassed because I'm like, people would always say, oh yeah, black people don't get eating disorders. We would never have eating disorders. And this is something that like even my close friends would say, and they didn't know I was struggling with bulimia, but I felt like I didn't have a safe space to even, to even talk about it. Um, And I wasn't in a community that encourage therapy. So I was just like, in my mind, I was like, I think around 2015 ish, I was like, I can't live like this. Like I can't, I can't continue to live like this. And so with sheer grit (laughs) and will, I was like, I'm about to heal. I'm not about to, you know, purge anymore. And I just kind of took on my recovery by myself, which I always tell my people do not do this. Like it took me way too long to heal. It, I think 2015 might not be the number. I think it was around 2013 or 14 where I was really starting to admit that I had eating disorder to myself and start to think like, what can I do to to get out of this? And so 2015 was when I really was like, okay, now now this is, this is for real. Like I can't do this. And instead of going to therapy, I bought textbooks. (laughs) I studied, like I studied the therapy methods and I tried to you know, figure out how to do it myself, which, you know, obviously like people, it's going to take me a long time to do that. (laughs) So, but I spent the next like year and a half really just kind of studying methods to heal my eating disorder on my own. So I didn't have to say anything to anyone. And, you know, it worked for me because of how I am as a person. I always tell my people I'm an education whore. So I will literally study anything and like, I will, I will figure anything out. But it didn't need to take, I think in total, three and a half, almost four years for me to heal my eating disorder. Didn't need to, it didn't need to be that. So I, around 2018 was when I was actually like fully recovered. I wasn't engaging in eating disorder behaviors, but I still had the diet culture mentality. Like I still felt like, you know, being smaller was better and between 2017 and 2018, that's when I started to get really heavy into fitness, into lifting. And it was mostly focused on, you know, relieving depression symptoms and for my mental health. But I still had my identity wrapped in being a fit black girl. And that in that time, like social media was really popular. The booty guides, like, you know, growing your booty. And it that was something that I like really dove into. So when I first started out lifting, it was about mental health, but it kind of quickly blossomed into this whole aesthetic, like, you know, get gains, grow your butt mentality, because I hadn't, 
I hadn't deprogrammed my mind yet from diet culture. So it was very, very easy to kind of fall back into it. So I call that my partial recovery phase where I was like, you know, I don't have an eating disorder actively anymore, but I'm still kind of entrenched in diet culture. And then I think uh, mid-2018 to 2019, I had a a follower comment on one of my posts. They were like, I, I can't follow influencers like you because I can't grow my butt. And I was like, you know, my first thought was like, of course you can. You just need to do X, Y, Z. You need to, you need to eat X, Y, Z. And that's yeah, just, of course, right? Exactly. Like, look at me. You I'm need to do it, what but, I'm doing. You know, <laughs> lo and behold, I'm, I'm someone who's always built muscle easily. Like it's never, my body changes really easily in both directions. I have a, um, my set point range is like 20 pounds and you know, I didn't really struggle to lose weight until I was trying to be a double zero, um, like when I was trying to be tiny, tiny. But like my body pretty much, you know, it moves it moves weight pretty easily. And so in my mind, I was like, well, if my body can do this. Everyone's body can do this. And it's just not true. Like and once that comment was made to me, because I've always been passionate about helping people be inspired to be themselves. Even when I was struggling with my own identity, I still wanted to inspire people. And that was my presence online, which I, you know, by the way, I started out as a style blogger in 2012 and my recovery is kind of what moved me away from the style side of my, uh, my presence. But anyway, once she made this comment, I was like, well, damn, I don't want to make people feel bad about their bodies. And I didn't want to be the person telling people that they needed to change themselves. And I was like, okay, I need to look at what I'm doing, what I'm talking about and figure out how to do this better and how I wanted to show up online where I was actually helping people versus like, you know, making them feel a certain type of way about themselves. And so that's when I went back to my education horror phase. <laughs> and that's how I found the anti-diet community um, around twenty mid-2018. And I was just like, floored. I had never heard this ideology before. And it made sense to me because I'm like, I know so many people who have gone on and off diets and like they would lose weight and gain it back quickly. And then they would be on another diet and they would try new diets every few months. And it didn't work because diets are set up for failure. And it's, it's intentional because diet culture keeps getting our money if we keep failing our diets. And, you know, and then we're told that it was our fault. Like we're the ones that should be ashamed that our diet didn't work. But just that one comment made me, led me down this path to realize that bodies are different. They're supposed to be diverse. Not everyone can lose weight easily. Not everyone can gain weight easily. Everyone has different bodies. And that is not just okay. It's really beautiful. So that's what led me to the path that I am today as a body image coach and really helping people to be at home in their bodies, whether they like the way they look or not. And so that's my story in a nutshell. I could talk about my story for two hours, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's such a good story. And I, and like, I, um, I have so many questions coming out of it and, uh, yeah, I mean, I can relate to, to a lot of it. Like, obviously we have a different identity. Um, but, uh, but like that, yeah, just like needing to be like as small as as possible when like clearly like your body's not meant to be that way at all. And that the relationship with exercise thing too, like I definitely had a very, very similar experience um in terms of yeah, just spending like hours and hours at the gym. That's actually one thing I just am really curious about. 
is related to that, like, because you seem to have a really good relationship with exercise now. And I feel like that's almost like one of the hardest things for people who have had a really obsessive relationship with exercise or a disordered relationship with exercise to then have a better relationship with with movement. So like what I'm, I'm just curious to know, like what helped you to then sort of cultivate a more peaceful relationship with it? Because it's not an easy thing to do. Right. Yeah. And I think for me, my my foundation of movement was always positive. You know, I, I feel very blessed to have a mother who she put us into things like we were in summer camp. We went we did every sport. I did double dutch. So so the movement that I engaged in, it was just so varied and it was so it was just whatever I wanted to do at that time. And so I ran track, I double dutch, I jump rope, I went to the skating rink and we always had movement in our life. My dad would uh, take us to the park and we would kick a soccer ball. Like I did tennis, like I did everything that you could think of. I tried everything you could think of. And so reconnecting to my inner child was the biggest thing that helped me to move away from this mindset that movement is only for weight loss because that didn't really develop until I got to college. And so I just reconnected to the things that I loved when I was a kid and found this place where I used movement for punishment for so long. And I was like, this was fun for me when I was a kid. We would just run around and do whatever, ride our bikes miles to our uncle's house. Like it was, it was always fun for us. And I never thought about it as this thing that was supposed to be that you had to do. It was just something that we did because it was in our lives. And so just drawing back from when I was a child really pulled me back into this mentality. Like no movement should be fun. It should be something that you enjoy. And, uh, you know, a lot of people ask me like, well, what do you do if you hate movement? I'm like, okay, if you hate movement, there's some deconstruction that needs to happen because movement can be so many different things. And you can start adding it back into your life in a variety of ways. It can even be when you go to the store, you park super far away and enjoy that walk to the store. Um, And that's like just something simple that you can do. And so I started to like really reprogram how I thought about movement and what movement actually was for. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's super helpful. I love like thinking about what you did as a kid. And I've seen that with clients um, to go back to, you know, some of those things I actually have funny enough. I don't think she would mind me sharing this. She's not a client. She's a friend, but she actually just started like doing like jump rope again. And like, there's like all these people doing like tricks and stuff. And like, so she started to learn all these tricks and it's like, yeah, it's just like finding something that is not necessarily like traditional in terms of like, you know, just like lifting weights or going on a treadmill, but doing something that's just fun. One of the things that you've said before is that body neutrality doesn't work for me. So I'd love for you to just elaborate on that, what you mean by that. Yeah. It's kind of funny how I got there because when I first entered to the anti-diet space, I I was like, I, I was aiming for neutrality and it did help me because it helped me to move from a space of you know, appearance is everything. Exercise is only for appearance. It helped me move from this, from one place to another. And, you know, on days where I was feeling overly negative, being neutral was helpful. But a few years after I found the anti-diet community, I realized I took the neutrality literally in every point, part of my life. And my self-expression was very stifled because of that neutral feeling. And so I was like, okay, this, this, I don't feel like myself. Like I wasn't, you know, engaging. I love fashion. I went to school for fashion and retail studies and it was, I love styling. Like I love getting dressed up. I love, you know, 
putting on all these accessories. And I just wasn't doing any of that anymore. And I was like, you know, I got to this place where I don't hate my body anymore. I feel confident in my body, but something is missing. Like something is actually missing from this journey. And, you know, as a black woman, I was told all my life by various people that I couldn't be beautiful. You know, I was again, blessed to have a mother and father that told me I was beautiful. So like that in my, it was always in my mind, but like from the media and from school, like being bullied in a um, predominantly white school where people would say, oh, you're too dark skinned. Like you're not, you can't be, you're not pretty. Like it, I was never told by, you know, other outside of my family and, you know, a few people in my life that I could be beautiful. And so neutrality wasn't enough to counteract that messaging for me. And instead of, instead of saying, okay, let me just be neutral about how I look because I don't, you know, I don't believe societal standards are accurate. It was, let me expand what I actually think beautiful is. And let me expand my idea of beauty so that I can appreciate beauty, both in myself and other people. And I, you know, one thing I love about that is I find beauty literally anywhere now. Like I can see it in all people and whether they're conventionally attractive or not. And, you know, I fervently believe that beauty isn't the most important thing. And I definitely don't think you have to like your appearance to be confident in your body. But I personally prefer to find joy in how I look and the way that I present myself. I like finding joy in that. And I spent so much time hating my skin tone, like my Nigerian features. And as I healed, I started to see these features as a dark skinned woman with Nigerian heritage as a beautiful thing. And instead of saying, okay, well, societal beauty standards are trash, true. Instead of just saying that they're trash and and I'm not going to adhere to them by saying like, we're all neutral about it. I'm going to define my own beauty standard and I'm going to then not let societal standards dictate what I see as beautiful. And, you know, there's more than one way to engage in body image healing. Some people love staying at neutrality. And I think that's beautiful. Some people get to acceptance and that's a great place for them. Some people get to confidence and that's good. Some people are like, no, I want to love every single role and curve I have. And that's fine too. If you can get to that place, beautiful. And I think it's important that every single person finds the path that works for them. Yeah. A hundred percent. I love that. Um, It's just such an important differentiation point, like from what I'm hearing you say is like, it was really like, you really had to kind of connect with, you know, like your, your heritage and and your culture and your self-expression. And, and I think that that's like such uh, a wonderful thing. And I think sometimes like, yeah, people, people will say to me like, well, I don't know if I should wear this because it sort of is like conforming to like society standards of femininity. And I'm like, well, what's your, like, what, what expresses you? Like, what's a way that you want to decorate your body and celebrate yourself? And I think that sometimes that piece of it sort of gets lost when we do just focus on like, yeah, like that, just the word sort of neutrality, which I think is an important piece of it, but it's not like, you know, it's not just like this constant state. It's like, no, you can like really kind of go further and uh, be able to embrace and like appreciate who you who you are and have that also be like an external thing too yeah Mm -hmm. exactly yep and you know for me like self-expression I've and this this definitely I hadn't connected this until we started talking today but this definitely goes back to what my mom taught me as a child um she was 
adamant about our creative expression and getting us into activities. And, you know, like I said earlier, I did, I literally did everything. I didn't know how my mom would find these camps. Like, how did I, how did she find comic yeah, I- camp <laughs> and put me in it? Like- <laughs> I love it. <laughs> And so, like, I was just always exposed to all these different areas of artistic expression. And I lost a lot of that, especially in the years where I was, like, spending time counting calories and just, like, spending any time I had outside of work or school in the gym. And I just lost this creative side of myself. And and even when I was creating things, it wasn't coming from this authentic place because I was so focused on what other people thought about me and what other people thought about my body and what I was doing. And it it really, I just had to reclaim my own self and my my body autonomy and say, no, like I, this is, this is who I am. And, you know, like you were mentioning, we can get to this place where we're healing our body image. And then the mindset of, well, what if people say that this is wrong can still linger. And so instead of saying, oh, are people going to think I'm small enough? It's, are people going to think I don't love myself because I like to wear lacy skirts or like I like putting makeup on? And those are still valid forms of expression. The key is that whatever you're doing, doing it's because you genuinely love it and you genuinely like to take a part of it. One thing I did, um, because makeup for me, it was something where it was like, I'm, I'm trying to cover myself. I don't like my features. I have to, I'm really ugly without makeup. Like that was my thought. And so when I, one piece of my healing journey is I went like a year without wearing any makeup at all, but then I was able to engage in makeup again in a fun way later because I was like, Oh no, no. Like I actually do like putting makeup on don't need to do it every day. I definitely have more days where my face is completely bare and natural than I wear makeup. And, but I don't feel like I need to have makeup anymore. And so, you know, I, I learned to make it a part of my expression without needing to adopt it as a part of my identity as, you know, this is how I'm beautiful. I'm only beautiful if I'm wearing makeup. You don't have to do that. And you can always find, you know, a happy medium even if it's something that happens to align with what traditional standards say about beauty. Yeah, I love that. So I wanted to talk to you about the process that you that you take clients through, because I know that like self-expression piece is, is part of it. Or I don't, is that what you call it? I can't remember. But um, so what is like, what, how do you sort of see when you're working with people? Like, what are what are the parts of the process that you that you tend to focus on that would that might help people who are listening sort of think about it in a in a different way? Yeah. So my my framework is called the body peace plan. And it's really about finding this space where you get you break free from body shame, not not so just so that you can proclaim how much you love your body, but so that you can then go and live with more joy and more freedom. And it has three pieces. The first one is to cultivate compassion. Self-compassion is very, very important when you're talking about body image because you're already getting from the world to be hard on yourself. And so you have to learn how to rewire that and be compassionate with yourself. The second piece is connecting with your body. Through the years of diet culture and the messaging that you get, you become very disconnected with yourself. And there's a lack of trust with your body. And that translates to pretty much every area of your life. Like you don't trust almost even your mind anymore. And so, you know, reclaiming who you are and learning to trust your body is so important. 
And then the piece that makes my framework so unique is is the last part, which is celebrate self-expression. And you get to this place where you have learned to heal your body image and you've learned to get to this place where, you know, you are like, I don't hate my body anymore. But self-expression is the way that you really are in tune with who you are as a person and allows you to show up unapologetically yourself. And, you know, I specifically talk to creative women, multi-passionate creative women who just have this desire to put out artistic expression. And for me and my journey, I lost the sense of artistic expression um, as I was battling with my body. Um, And I want to encourage other women to be able to create with more joy and freedom. And that's where that self-expression piece really ties in because you, when you open yourself up and you start to learn to trust your body, the, the things that can come out of your mind, it's just so beautiful. You just, you'll be sitting there and you're like, wow, I can't believe I thought of that. Like, that's so profound. And you get to a place where you're not afraid to to claim that and be like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a creative genius. <laughs> and you, cause we, we get stifled so much and we get told, especially as a woman, we're told so much that to shrink, you know, don't take up too much space. Don't be too loud. Don't be too different. And that is literally what makes us so unique and so beautiful, not just the way that we look, but just like the inside and the way that we engage with the world and the way that we see ourselves. And it also affects the way that you see other people. And so that self-expression piece is for me, what was missing in my journey. And I think for a lot of people, especially if you're a neurodivergent, multi-passionate creative, like I am, that piece is going to be extremely important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, exactly what you said. Like it just, it, when you're constantly thinking about your body, when you're constantly thinking about food and exercise, like it's like, it is all consuming and it's completely stifling, as you said. And it is amazing when you reclaim that time and energy and space back, like what, you know, you're like, oh, wow, like I have space for these other interests, or I have courage to do these things. And yeah, I mean, I've actually worked with a couple of artists over the years and seen that like they were afraid to put their work in the world, they didn't have time and space to even do their art. And then they were able to reclaim that. So I do think it's like, it is so important. And I love that you are, you know, able to, to help those people. How does being neurodivergent sort of intersect with that? Because I know you just sort of threw that in there. So but for for someone like myself, who is neurotypical, mostly, I think, I don't even know, <laughs> probably somewhere <laughs> a little bit off that. But um, like, how does that intersect with that? Just out of curiosity. Um, so this has been this has been an interesting year for me because I just got diagnosed with ADHD this year. And prior to that, I was just always like, man, something is wrong with my brain. Like, why can I why, why can I do X, Y, Z? Why am I unable to focus on X, Y, Z? Why am I always veering off and having all these different interests when I was supposed to be focusing on this? And I realized after my diagnosis, it, everything like kind of clicked into place. I was like. This makes so much sense. And I realized that like I need multiple outlets of expression. And it was something that it it made me not trust myself, but it wasn't my fault. It was because 
of the neurotypical world saying, this is what you need to do X, Y, Z, but it just didn't work for my brain the way that my brain is set up. And so it, that in and of itself made me doubt myself and feel like I wasn't, I wasn't doing enough. Um, my, one of my core negative beliefs that I had to kind of battle with was that I'm not enough. And so that, that one core belief permeated into every piece of my life and definitely into my body image, which translated to my body isn't enough. I need to change it. And so making that connection and realizing how being neurodivergent played into the way that I saw myself, I saw my body and I saw the work that I put out. It really just kind of opened up all new worlds for me. And, you know, prior to this year, I was really kind of scared to talk about the self-expression side because I'm like, well, what if people are going to be like, you know, this isn't important. Like this isn't the important part. And I was after my diagnosis and realizing how important that actually is for me and for people like me, I was like, no, this is, this is, we're talking about this. Like this is going into um, what I teach. And that's what I'm most passionate about because I want people to be as much themselves as possible and to be as unapologetic in themselves as they possibly can. And the reason for that is not is not so that people can just be like, hi, I'm here taking up space. It's so that they can be like, listen, whatever the world is saying, like I hear it, but I'm resilient now because I know who I am and I know how I want to express myself. So they don't have to be swayed by that. It's very easy to be. When it's creative people, we, we are very, um, we can be sensitive and we're really hard on ourselves already. And then to add the societal standards on top of that, like that just completely makes us so uh, bogged down by the weight of what we're being taught to believe and to think and to do. And moving away from that is really important for me as someone with ADHD, because I'm like, I'm, I'm never going to show up in the world as, you know, with the societal standards in any way, shape or form. So I may as well just go and turn around and embrace who I am so that I can be free and live with joy. I love that. On that note, we'll wrap it up here. Where can people find more of you, Tiffany? Um, my main place is Instagram. Um, so Tiffany Emo on Instagram. And my website is TiffanyEma.com. And I will make sure you have a link to my freebie, the body piece checklist, so that you can get started on your journey too. Amazing. It was such a pleasure. It's Maybe it's almost good that we waited because like, I feel like this was such a good conversation. <laughs> Not that it wouldn't have been back then too, but I feel like you've got like greater self-awareness with um, your, you know, your ADHD diagnosis and... Um, and how that's really sort of impacted everything as well. But it was such a pleasure. And I'm super excited for for people to listen to this episode. Thank you so much for, for being here today. Thank you, Summer. This was so great. Rock on. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Uh, such a pleasure to have someone on the show who I feel like I've been following forever and to actually hear a little bit more about their story and to share it. And I've been trying to get Tiffany on the show for years and it's always been a bit of like a scheduling conflict and we've had to push it back numerous times. So it was really exciting to finally be able to put this interview out into the world. You can find all the links and resources mentioned at summerinandin.com forward slash 289. Thank you so much for being here today. I'll talk to you next time. Rock on.
I'm Summer Inanen, and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Summer Inanen. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts, search Eat the Rules, and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on.